Welcome, everybody, to the Tag Your It podcast. I am Ray Ray. And I am David Van Pepper. And now we can finally uh, continue on anyway. So uh, we, a couple weeks ago, um, or maybe I guess... A couple the, weeks ago is correct. It yeah. wasn't last week. It was a week before. Yeah. Boom. But correct for... Oh, yes. Our that's recording. Right. But, you know, well, even if we wanted to go live, Facebook has had a lot of problems. So this will be uploaded a week after we actually record it. But you guys have already been that you guys have been hanging in there with us. I already know that we do like two shows every time we get together. We try to um, so Always that we our can goal. open time for ministry and families and all that kind of stuff. So this isn't just an everyday because me as a barber, I only get Sundays and Mondays off. It's really nice to sometimes have the whole Monday with yes. family. Or, I'm glad you, you get know, to do that. That's yeah, an so, important thing. And then incredibly also and you've important. got a family and, you know, Sunday is a big day for pastors. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of, you know, being around people, being available. Um, and so you don't always get the family time and rest on Sunday. So it's nice to have that Monday to kind of calm. Take a few breaths. Cool. Yeah. Maybe think about what you're going to do next, you know, within the next week, but you know, just have some calm, cool time, you know? Um, so we like to do that anyway. Um, but anyway, we're finally getting back, uh, to, um, Philip Wright. Again, this is part two of, uh, you know, more deconstructionist absurdity. We're still dealing with his sermon on the teacher within you. So if uh, you're coming to part two first, if you want to go back um, uh, in our backlog, we encourage you to go back and listen to part one. And by the way, huge thank you to everyone who gave, I didn't get this in the last podcast. Thank you to everyone who gave to the abolitionist booklets because we got all the money. Praise the Lord Mm. for that. And we are even going to be thanking, I will personally, individually thank Hope Baptist Church for mm-hmm. purchasing all of the Doctrine of Balaam booklets. I even have it here. Always nice to advertise. Thank you so much. I'm thinking about that. C.R. Cali Just for making you know, them available to we, us at an amazing cost. We had C.R. Cali before. That's right. I was before. thinking about that. Founders Ministries and C.R. Kelly. But we had again, Don Vino before Founders oh, Ministries did. But guess what? They're you just know, copying the awesome, us. Yeah, yeah. No, no. The awesome thing is I'm glad that those both of those guys have been on Founders Ministries, which yeah, gives them uh, a big, wide uh, platform, um, with especially C.R. Kelly, um, with what's going on in the SBC. Um, him being able to speak after the fact of the SBAA and before the fact, um, for anybody that listens to founders, um, the sword and the trowel, um, you know, here in Missouri, as we approach, um, you know, end of October with the Missouri Baptist, uh, convention annual meeting. So that's wonderful that he got picked up even by them and that, you know, there's just been a good wide, uh, range of outlets that he's been on. And I know that uh, sword and trial is talking about, you know, if we can make his book available, um, at founders ministries, um, we'll do it. So that's, that's awesome that, uh, you know, cause he's not, remember Callie's not a part of the SBC. He is not All right, but he is a 1689 guy. confessor. He's a Baptist. Um, he's in the historical 
brotherhood in that sense as well. And that just shows you that founders is more than just a Southern Baptist entity. We don't end the brotherhood just in denominationalism. Um, we progress truth. That's all right. right. And, and that's just an awesome connection that uh, Callie was able to make. And I'm yeah. glad he was able to make that and get out there. But we did have him before Founders Ministries got we a hold of him. Did. And we will just be like, yes. But anyway, glad <laughs> glad he was on there. Just means um, that we're choosing good people to come on as guests. That's yeah. all that it means. Yeah. Yeah, so we're so we're in we're we're in the brotherhood as well, and we're ha- we're happy to be able to be a, a part of the process. It's it's amazing. I'm glad, and I'm just uh, praying that uh, God just um, opens our hearts um, to love neighbor truly, love Him truly, and love neighbor truly as He is sanctifying not just the individuals but the whole of His people, especially during a time as well, a generation two generations, whatever, um, God is working. Jesus is ruling and reigning, and it actually can be seen if you interpret reality with the reality that God has spoken. He has declared the end from the beginning, and he has given us information to be able to see good whenever all it seems like we perceive is evil and torment and, and just all this destruction going on that we know that we, if we look with our biblical lenses and we trust God at his word, we'll be able to see the good and praise the good and point to the good, which then will lead other people to Christ. And that's the gospel that we can find in nature Amen. because of the special revelation working together. Precept, what's up? Anyway, so yeah, so let's uh, uh, dig back in again. Uh, we took a long time on the last tell, one. Call, uh, when I met the guy at uh, for the church, he called you the precept. What's up, guy? Sweet, uh, that's yeah. awesome. Ray, Ray, that, the oh, precept. Uh, what's up, guy? Yeah, yeah Ricky, yeah. right? Hey, Ricky, glad you got to catch up. I with think Dave. that was him. Anyways, he yeah, called Ricky you the Sands. precept. What's up, guy? Yeah, cool. <laughs> Ray, Ray, the precept. What's up, guy? Yeah, that's uh, how Dave and I first met. That was right. like the first thing I ever said to him on Facebook was precept. What's up? Yeah. Yeah, and that's what uh, that's what started this whole thing. So yeah, cool. I'll I'll be the precept. What's up, guy? Even though I didn't even come up with it at all, I totally plagiarized it. I guess. Yeah, uh, you're still the Baptist. Yeah. <laughs> we will not open up that can of worms tonight <laughs> and go on for five hours. But anyway, yeah, we're going to focus on uh, what we need to focus on, and we are going to give you part two of Philip Wright. Um, you know, the de- deconstructionist absurdity. And so, um, to start this off, I kind of fast forwarded um, from where we were, but we were kind of starting on. You know, he's talking about the food fight, um, the sheets coming down, Peter seeing that take kill eat, you know, In and, um, you know, yeah. the, just the unfortunate, if you don't have a hermeneutic, um, if you're just arbitrarily flying through things. And I mean, um, I called him out again on him actually pointing to scripture as an authority and an errant in the parts that he wanted to, he tried to deny it. Well, I didn't say so. I don't care what you say. If you're doing it, you're doing it. And I'm pointing it out. Um, but I think I saw like a couple of Sundays later in the lesson, he's starting to say, I read the scriptures metaphorically. Well, Here's the deal. If you read the scriptures metaphorically, what is the metaphor of if you deny the flesh of Christ, him coming on earth, you're an antichrist. Hmm. What is that a metaphor for? I'm thinking it's actually your an- antichrist. So I just wanted to point that out real quick, because if the Bible's a metaphor, then Jesus is a metaphor. Well, if you have a metaphorical hermeneutic, then you run into the same problem that 
origin did, which is what is the standard by which I ever can objectively, clearly make anything less than metaphor or more than metaphor. Like, how do I know what, what is metaphor, what is not metaphor? And that's yeah. where you have some serious issues. And, and origin had that issue. Yeah. Right. So do you believe that Jesus actually was God from eternity and took on flesh, dwelt among us, is God again in flesh again, or do you deny that? And does your hermeneutic actually deny that? And are you an antichrist according to the scriptures? That's just some to food for thought anyway. But anyway, the, the covenantal Speaking hermeneutic food is for that thought, food fight. <laughs> yeah. So, he, you know, he's talking about this food fight that Peter's having and that uh, Jesus changed the Levitical laws. Well, the thing is, if you're covenantal, you understand that uh, all foods were clean. He gave Noah like, OK, Adam, let's go back to Adam. He, gave, he said all the herbs, all the green stuff, right, are yours. Eat it. Enjoy it, right? Well, comes to flood time, all that stuff, fall, flood. Then after the flood, God says, everything's yours. So it's nothing new. Everything was man's to eat. He said, you can use it for work. You can use it for food. You have dominion over the, the creatures. You get to say what goes with the creatures. You can eat it, eat anything you want, right? But then there is the Sinaitic covenant where there's a bunch of pagans, they're going to take over the land of Canaan. There's a bunch of pagans there. They were designed to be separate. So that's a ceremonial law that when Jesus comes, he fulfills. But the principle is still there. Aren't we supposed to live separately, even though we can eat everything? Yeah, the principle is still there. What has changed is the ceremony, right? Well, it's been fulfilled. The ceremony has all been fulfilled in Christ. And the law goes out to the whole world. It's not just for a nation. That nation was destroyed in 70 AD by the hand of Jesus Christ. So Jesus ain't no uh, mamby-pamby, lovey-dovey dude. He's also a wrathful guy. Amen. And he comes out of heaven with a sword from his mouth to slay people. That's, the, that's revelation right there. I understand you probably don't recognize revelation like that. But that, you know, Jesus is the one that goes out to conquer. And he goes out conquering. With the sword of his mouth. It's very pretty tough guy stuff. Understand that Phil doesn't like tough guy stuff. <laughs> At least when it comes to Jesus. Jesus he doesn't has like to be the distinction of guy. Yeah. So anyway, it's a covenantal thing. Um, please, if you're listening to this, like get into hermeneutics and understand that nothing has changed in contradiction. Remember, everything was man's. But covenantally, he said, for you guys, this is unclean for you as a nation among the pagans, right? They're supposed to live separately. Again, it's for you not to wear things with mixed fabrics, right? You're supposed to be viewed as pure, right? There, there is a purity seen in one fabric clothing. But now we can wear mixed fabrics. That was another, again, ceremonial issue that's fulfilled in Christ. The principle, again, is still there. We live separately. We are still are to live holy for God is holy, which then is reflected in the moral law, right? And then the judicial law, the civil law is worked out of the moral law. So civil, moral, still around, ceremonial, changed, still there in principle, and we follow it. Everything that was written in the past for our instruction. 
and we follow it. Right. So um, wanted to get that out of the way, but then we'll continue on because here comes the major um, argument, the major sticking point that we have to put because it is so out there and it shows the blindness of Philip Wright and how he is putting the wool over his congregation's eyes for his agenda to, for everybody to end up being their own God their own determiner of truth, their own creator of reality. And that's going to kill them. Yes. All right. So that's where we're going to start. Um, so I uh, think if you uh, go to the venue's website, again, Facebook's having problems. So I went to their website. If you get to the audio, we're starting at uh, 21 minutes and 39 seconds in. So somebody get your phone out and Google that. Tell me what that means before we get out of here. All right. Let me ask you three questions. Number one, do you think the Holy Spirit will not contradict the Scripture? Yes, I know for a fact the Holy Spirit will not contradict Scripture because all Scripture is written by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. For God to contradict himself would be for God to lie. God does not lie. How do we know? He's told us. And he cannot deny himself. Um, what else in that logic book that I presented? <laughs> you know, because this is, comes down to those presuppositions that we have to have or else knowledge goes away. And we've already dis- demonstrated on the last episode that um, Philip has destroyed any sort of knowledge, yet he's making truth claims and knowledge claims. And that's the absurdity of the deconstructionist worldview. You don't have to answer it, and it's kind of scary to answer that, isn't it? Why? Why is Why it, would scary it be scary to answer that? And it should be scary if you're going to say no. It shouldn't be scary if you're going to say no, no. It, the Spirit will not... The same Spirit that that is in Paul, right? The same Spirit that was actually that raised Christ from the dead. Let's go to Christ. If Okay, you're all about Jesus, right? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that's in his people. All right. But sorry for the distinction that there are his people and not his people. And yes, there was a covenantal distinction at one point. But then again, that was destroyed and it went out to the nations, the Gentiles as well. Right. That's, I will make a nation that is not my people, my people. Mm hmm. Thank you, Hosea. Yeah. So if you stick with the scripture as the presupposition, then you have a standard by which to then make these kind of claims. Because it's not me making the claim, it's the scripture that's making the claim, and I bow down to scripture because you can't divorce the word of the person who spoke it. Again, he's trying to make a false dichotomy here that there is Jesus and his authority, and it's his authority himself is separate from his word. The man... The God-man spoke, and we have his words, and if we can't trust the scriptures, then how do we know what he has spoken? And again, if it's the teacher in me, if it's the teacher in Phil, it's the teacher in Dave, it's the teacher in um, Joe Biden, I bet you we can find a lot of, well, the teacher told me, and then, but it's going to contradict person over here, contradict that person over there, which contradicts both of us somehow. That's the, that's the problem. We're getting into the one in many problem and we got incoherent particulars and what standard by which we judge who is right. Are we all right and all wrong at the same time? Again, and what I would say is 
John in 1 John 4, we talked about this a little bit last time, was, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if whether they are from God. Well, how in the world do you test, those th- test the spirits to know if they are by God? God has given an objective revelation by which we can test things. So the real issue is, if you feel like the Holy Spirit is telling you something, how do you test it against God? How do you know whether it's of the Spirit of God? Through that which the Holy Spirit has given in his revealed word. Yeah. Second question, which has higher authority, Scripture or the Spirit? This is a non... False dichotomy. Okay? It's the Spirit as a person. Again, are you... uh, uh, This is a question that he wouldn't answer me. A simple question, yes or no, are you Trinitarian? He would not answer that question, just a simple yes or no, on Facebook in front of everybody. wonder why. Hmm. But the Spirit is a person. The Spirit in the Scripture speaks. He speaks to Philip and says, go. Right? The Spirit kept Paul from going certain places. Right? Right? Spirit is a person that does things and says things. Right? So... If I say something, isn't it con- is it not connected to my person? Is there a distinction? Yeah, I am a person, and here's my words coming out. But if I say, hi, I am Adam, somebody else writes down, Adam said, hi, I am Adam, and he does it without error and everything like that, you know, does that divorce that word from me? No, the Spirit speaks, has spoken, has inspired people to write things down. That has to be a presupposition or you lose everything. And again, you're trying to make logical arguments, yet you've destroyed logic. Well, here's the issue, too. In his appeal here, he is constructing a piece where he is saying, every one of you has a spirit, has a teacher within you, which is the Holy Spirit. Okay, how do you know that, Phil? Again, and he would not answer that question directly, and that's when what he deleted was our interaction of that, where I was like, I'm asking, like, because what he did is like, how do you, I asked him, how do you know that Christ is in you? It's like, And then he appealed to scriptures, and I said, well, you're treating the scriptures as though they're inerrant in these parts, that they're authoritative in these parts, that they're, true. That they're clear, that they're sufficient. You're, you're, you're appealing to him as though they are, and, but then, then he backpedaled and said, well, no, no, I, I appeal to them because you believe they're authoritative. And I'm like going, so then you haven't but answered my question at all. because people in front I'm of asking, you, do they believe that they're authoritative? Yeah, yeah. so, uh, no, but the, the issue was, I'm like, no, I want to know how you know that you have the spirit within you. I want to know you. Okay, so I've asked the question. I am willing to listen. I'm willing to hear. I'm sitting here going, I want to know. If you're teaching and me. he's not willing to tell me. He's afraid of man, I think. That's why he never wants to do anything in public. That's why he wants to always go to a coffee shop, because then there's not two or three witnesses that can hold him accountable. That's right. Right? So if Dave and I said anything, like, you know, I you're just taking it on good faith that Dave and I are being truthful about what we say, what we talked about in the coffee shop, because we have no other witnesses to be like, yeah, Dave did say that. Adam did say that. Phil said that. Phil or, and, and Devin said that whenever they met. So we don't have the two or three witnesses to bring to a court to say that it's to make the determination if it's true or not. So I understand that you have to take us on good faith for that. 
And see, Phil doesn't do that. So, um, you know, we had another friend from another brother from my church that ended up having a conversation. I, I hope things progress forward because it sounded like to him, he heard Phil saying that he might start be breaking down to actually have a public debate. That'd be great. Again, that's what we're asking. We want to yeah, have a public like have discourse. You dialogue. throw this stuff out in public, we have publicly refuted it. Let's come together. We, if you are a Christian, we have the spirit. The teacher, right? We have been given a spirit of reconciliation. Do you want to reconcile? We're going to have to talk. And the nature of the case is pretty darn public. So we need to have a public reconciliation so that we have witnesses that we have reconciled if we have. Sounds very biblical to me, but I understand that you're not, you don't care about that, but we do. Well, so. the other issue here is the word authority, higher authority, yeah, scripture or the spirit that assumes that one has an authority over the other. Well, the reality is the nature of the spirit's word, God's word and God's nature. God's word reveals God's nature. Again, false dichotomy, but who has authority over what is said? Well, that actually presupposes that he said something that you could measure against what he is leading in your feelings. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Mm -hmm. Third question. Can you experience God without the Bible? Okay. Very interesting little piece here. The word experience is, to me, one of the key pieces. Can you experience God without the Bible? How would you know that it's God? Mm -hmm. How would you know that it's not a creation of your own mind? So, by the creator-creation distinction, covenantally, all creation experiences the reality of God because they are in covenant as creation. This is a silly question, but the definition of what you mean by experience is the key piece. You've left an intentional vagary in the word experience. But I, I would say that all people have the census divinitatis. All people know that one true God exists and they are all suppressing the truth about him. And they're all held accountable. All right. To that. So it depends on what experience you are experiencing. Are you experiencing God in truth suppression or in spiritual birth, in the new birth? Is that an extinction that you even recognize, but you don't because you have admitted that you love heretics like Pelagius and you agree that everybody is good, <laughs> which then gets rid of why even Jesus came in the first place. So, you know, that's, that's the issue. You are at odds with the scripture that you have to appeal to in your knowing as he admitted the Bible is a part of his knowing. So he says he knows because the scripture says, therefore he, if he's going to say, I know because the scripture says so, then he's treating at least those parts as authoritative, clear, without error, with sufficient information, right? And authoritatively, he's appealing to them as an authority. You can say that you're not, but you would be lying and deluded because that's literally what you're doing. Actions and words have to come together. I've had to teach this to my daughter. Actions and words.
go together. We all have to understand that. If I punch you in the face, but I say I love you, but I leave you bloody, do I love you? That's called abuse. <laughs> and it means I don't love you if I'm willing to punch you in the face until you're bloody all the time. That's not really loving, right? But Paul makes but, it so clear in Romans yeah. 10, verses 14 to 17. Just experiencing God isn't enough. Paul makes it clear. How will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how mm -hmm. are they to believe in him who they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Oh, wait. What is preaching? Announcing who he is. So experiencing God isn't enough. Verse 15. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, the Lord who has, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Ah. And how, where is the word of Christ located? So experiencing God is not enough. There's your problem. Mm -hmm. See, that's our Q&A today. I'm asking you the questions today. What does Jesus say about that? John records in John chapter 5 a conversation Jesus has okay, with so the there Pharisees. Okay, so there he goes. Here's, there the, big, he goes to here's the big one. And this is what's going to expose his agenda and his willing blindness. His willing rebellion is revealed in what he says here. And he kind of gets on to him. He rebukes them for not letting go of their Bibles long enough. No. No, nope. no, false, false. Well, but let's continue. They see with their eyes and hear with their ears. He says, you all study the scriptures thoroughly because you think in them you possess eternal life. And it is these same scriptures that testify about me. But you are not willing to come to me so that you may have, have life. Do you remember what John said in the Gospel of John? That the world could not receive this? That's it right there. Those people who are more committed to a book, whatever book that might be, than they are to the person of Jesus or the spirit of the Christ will never really be able, will never be able to respond to the teacher in them. Um, I'm pretty committed to Jesus' words. Again, you're appealing to the scripture as if what Jesus said here in John five, what you read in the scriptures, you're appealing to that. Jesus said it, Jesus meant it that you can know that Jesus actually said this and that what he said is without error that he could, he could have said something else and somebody wrote it out and wrote this down instead. This could be a scribe's, words and not Jesus' words. How do you know that Jesus actually said this to the Pharisees? Right? So you're appealing to the authority of this passage, the inerrancy of this passage, the clarity of this passage, the information that is sufficient in this passage. Right? And this is an authority that you're appealing to, to make your conclusion, to tell people 
that the scriptures are what blind you from experience in Jesus, right? So then you're using logic, but then again, you've destroyed all that on the other side. But here's the thing. thing. Jesus is making it clear that the Old Testament actually points to eternal life in him. Yes. And he says, you pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them. And yet they tell, they testify about me. Jesus is holding them accountable to their scriptures. He's holding them accountable to their book scrolls, book colloquialism. So it is that book that points to eternal life in Jesus Christ. So he's saying, what you have, they speak of me. But you're not coming to me. So is the book the problem? Is the committing to the book the problem? Or what does he say? But you are not willing to come to me so that you have life. So the book tells them about the suffering servant. The book tells them that this Messiah is going to come and heal people. He's going to get rid of demons. He's going to, it tells them of the future, right? Now, this generation didn't get to hear from God until John the Baptist came along, which then, if they read their Old Testament, they'd be like, we're waiting for some herald, right? And that's what, there were people that actually believed the scriptures, and they came to John running for repentance, for baptism, to, to, to listen to the one that was prophesied to be the forerunner. And then he says himself, I am the guy that was called to be in the world on the voice crying out in the wilderness. He's quoting Old Testament scripture. So even John points to the authority, the clarity, the sufficiency, the inerrancy of the Old Testament scriptures. And here Jesus doubles down in fact, on it. Even the necessity of scripture is yeah. found deeply yeah. here. Ne- you have necessity. to have the scriptures to know about me. Yes. In me or in them is the pointing to me. You're not going to know without them, by the way. Yeah. And so all this happens. So he says, you've read these, these things, but you're not willing to come to me. Why? What's the problem? It's not the book. It's not the words. It's not the scriptures. It's the heart of the person. And if you go before that, let's actually do exegesis and reading instead of just proof texting for your agenda. He says, you don't have this word residing in you because you don't believe the one who he sent. Before that, the father who sent me has himself testified about me. So how did God do that? He just said, the scriptures. <laughs> God has spoken in the past. We get to Hebrews. He talked to the father. God spoke through the, to the fathers through the prophets. And finally, through his son, Jesus Christ. That sums up everything here. Right? And so what you're saying and you're going to say, we've been blinded by the Bible and we're not experiencing. I'm experiencing Jesus right here and his, his uh, disdain for the Jewish leadership of changing and adding to and taking away as God told them not to. And they added their own laws. God hadn't spoken to them in 400 years. God exiled them and left them to their own devices. He handed them over. They came up with their own laws. What you have to do, because you don't believe in the scriptures, you don't believe that God has clearly spoken the law, so what do you have to do for law? You have to make it up. The Pharisees made it up. Who's more like the Pharisee? Because Jesus came down and said, 
Well, no, the law isn't abolished. And then he held them to the law and expanded the law, didn't change it. He said, no, it's not just the physical murdering of somebody. It's the thought murder of somebody still makes you a murderer. That doesn't change the law. It's been like that the whole time, right? So he didn't change anything. But Phil is trying to get people to not trust the word of God. But then again, if you can't trust this, how? tell me how, what Jesus said without this. I want you that's to tell real, me that's what Jesus said question. without this. That's the better question. And that's a good question. We're asking the questions now. Please answer it. We would how like, do we know we want what to, Jesus said we would without, like to know. without Scripture? Yeah, and we ser- sincerely how do we know? want to know how you do that. Not just as a gotcha. We would like you, you, you to tell us how to, how to know. Let me open this back up here. <laughs> no problem. Because they're like this. They're blinded. I know it. Scary, isn't it? They're blinded by the Bible. No. Scripture says they were blinded by God. It was judicial hardening. So they could hear, but not. Or they could, uh, what was it? What was the exact word? Hear, but not perceive. Yeah, yeah, not perceive. That they could see, but not perceive. So this was actually by the hand of God. If you can read the whole, if, if, if you don't listen to Phil and you actually read these things. All right. Phil is not a good teacher. The scriptures will be a great teacher because it's the actual you words of the Holy Spirit. You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. Yeah. For this people's heart has grown tall, dull and their with their ears, they can barely hear and their eyes. They have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their hearts and understand with their heart and turn that I would heal them. That is Jesus in Matthew 13, quoting from Isaiah six. Yeah. Why would Jesus quote the Old Testament if it was just rubbish and, and, and an error and all that kind of stuff? That's that's the issue. So, again, they're not willing. God hardens those more that are already hard. Or did Jesus really quote from the Old Testament? Yeah. Was, I mean, yeah. because you've already said, throw it away. So, what do we throw away? But you say at the same time, well, we just... Listen to Jesus's teachings. Jesus taught a whole bunch on the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Which of those teachings do you get rid of? Because you have to get rid of them. Yeah. So again, is it the heart of man that's the problem that you're not willing to admit because you want everybody <clears throat> to be good? Everybody has to be good inherently from the get-go? And the scriptures are the problem or are the scriptures not the problem and it's the heart of man and you actually have to tell people that they're wrong. You have to accept that you have been wrong and you have to repent and you have to call other people to repent and you're not willing. You notice you will never hear this gentleman say repent in his sermons. He doesn't believe in it. Yep. I mean, again, a, a church that talks about baptism and puts quotes around you have sinned. By not loving your neighbor, but nowhere you never nowhere he says you haven't loved God. Two co-equal commands. Because according yeah. to Phil, the Holy Spirit works in everybody. But if you're naturally a good person, you'd love neighbor no matter what. So I guess I mean you you can again this absurdity will hang yourself on your own rope. Yes. 
Jesus was standing right in front of them and they missed him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because all they saw were their scriptures. Nope. No. No, because they, because they weren't believing their scriptures. Because those scriptures testified about him. It's not the scriptures that is problem. The so what's the problem? This is called exegesis. Again, you went to not Southwestern. Eisegesis. You went to Southwestern, you got classes. They don't matter. But you've been taught this stuff, yet you're, you can straw man all you want. I want you to tell me what's wrong with what Southwestern taught you. And I understand there's been problems that or Southwestern or Southwestern. Southwestern was the theologically conservative yeah, hub. Of, I think I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting now which actual one he went to. But, yeah, he went to Southwestern. He went to okay. Southwestern. That was the theological conservative hub. Hmm. Everyone else went liberal but them. So it's, I mean, you're rejecting it, but don't even use that as a prop of, I went there as anything that's a credential for you because you're denying everything that you were possibly taught, unless if you got every bad liberal teacher there, which is, I guess, maybe a possibility. possibility. I think some of us are there too. How would you know? We don't see the spirit. We don't see Jesus. We don't see the Christ. Because we're blinded by the scripture. We just can't even imagine. How would you see him without the scripture? (laughs) Again, how do you know Christ is in you without the scripture? I want to know. And if it's just because you say so, who are you, oh man, to be the authority on that? Why should I believe you? Again, the teacher in me, if you are correct, the teacher in me brings me to this to believe this and makes my experience secondary. Okay. That's what the teacher tells me. Teacher tells you the opposite. How are we going to know the truth about it? Where is that standard to judge between both of us? If we're contradicting, apparently contradicting is a problem and it is not a problem even though there's no contradictions in scripture, but apparently you found contradictions in scripture and that's what got you questioning. So there is a problem with contradictions. But how do you know? But then you're again, your worldview creates all contradictions being equally true. Mm. Weird. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. So how do we know if what we're, Feeling in our gut, in our spirit, is true. Because there is, as we've been told recently, a lot of fake news. Now remember, John said in his letter that this Christized of your life, this anointing in your life, will teach you what is true, not what is counterfeit. There's a lot of bad information out there. We know that. One example... Back in 2008 at a pro immigrant Okay, so you just said something, but you didn't really prove anything, anything. And then you again appealed a scripture that you've already dismantled. Why is what John says in his Christ icing true? Who is John? Again, the teacher in me says, I go to this as the inerrant, authoritative, sufficient, clear, necessary word of God. And the teacher in you is telling you otherwise. Then how do we know? 
Where's the standard? You didn't how, give us a standard here. You just how said, how do we know if we're not we being led by two different spirits? Well, that's correct. really the issue. Yeah. And so all you're saying is, well, John said this Christizing just automatically tells you what you believe to be true is true. Well, again, I've just proven there's a contradiction between what I say and you say, if we both have the same teacher or have a teacher within us, the teacher is telling us two contradictory things. You have, you've only moved the problem to hear and not to hear. Yes. Same problem. So where is the standard? How do I know I've got Christ? Leader of a church, how do you know you've got Christ? How, and as a pastor and leader of a church, what happens when the majority of the people in your church decide that their spirits are moving them in all these other different ways? Like, and that's how at what I ended point the of last contact episode. is there any unity? Yeah, and that's how I ended the last episode. Because this turns into intersectionality, and it's going to destroy everything. Might take a generation or two. And like I said, I, this is a warning. It's going to come as long as God tarries. It's, your destruction is going to come. So, again, uh, with the, answer, the answer to the question that we need is how the, 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 the teacher's in me. Unless we're going to say the teacher is not in me, then you have to tell me, well, how do you know that? Again, it all this is all epistemological here, and you got to answer the question, and you didn't answer the question. You just gave another assertion from Scripture that you've already said contradicts itself, and the Spirit contradicts it. So how do you know now that the Spirit isn't contra- contradicting that, and it's fine? Again, if there's lying going on, then trust is gone, and what is the thing that we're supposed to have? Like, trust is faith. That's why we're not supposed to lie. That's why God doesn't lie and deny himself. And that's why we can trust scripture and actually have this as a presupposition for all predication. Without this, there is no um, accounting for logic, science. Um, Like, why should I care? Meaning, language, all that kind of stuff. Just, it's just all mismatch. And again, uh, as Sayatin Brigitte says, Pizza sleeps fast on Tuesdays, therefore the much I win. That's how I can win the argument. Immigration rally on the steps of the Capitol in Little Rock. A community organizer by the name of Randy uh, Romo, no relation to Tony Romo, I don't think, of the Cowboys of the late, uh, took a picture Mm. of this mom and child holding this sign, no human being is illegal. She was so moved by that picture that she put it on Flickr, a photo sharing site. That was 2008. In August of 2018, that picture resurfaced on a Facebook page of a group that was anti-immigrant, but the picture was very different. The picture had been altered where the mother is not saying no human is illegal, but the mother is saying, give me more free. Yeah. Well, what's wrong with that? By what standard bill do you appeal to, to state that it is wrong to misrepresent something? Like where, where do you go? Hmm. You go to the Old Testament scriptures, thou shalt not lie. Bad information. So what do we do? 
I read about this in the Wall Street Journal. And Randy Romo was interviewed by the Wall Street Journal. And she said this, we are living in the greatest era of information access. People will watch cat videos endlessly, but won't take a minute to ascertain whether what they are being told is true or not. Oh, wait. Truth matters. But wait, Phil, you just appealed to Randy Romo saying, investigate what objectively occurred. What is Jesus telling these men in John 8 to do? Go back and investigate what is said so that you will know the one that is speaking to you is God. What if, and then what if the person that altered the image to say that, you know, I just want free stuff, what if the teacher in them taught, taught them to do that? And told them it was right. Mm-hmm. Again, we need a standard. You've only moved the problem. You haven't solved it. Boy, that's a good point, isn't it? So what do we do? How do we determine whether or not what we're hearing we would love is the true answer. or not? You've asked it once. Let's go back to John 15. Oh, John 15. Why are you appealing to Scripture? Whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father. I like this. He will testify about me. And what I hear him. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. Do you see what John is doing exegetically? Do, Do you, I mean, how poor is your hermeneutic that you are not recognizing the language of and the connection between what's being stated in John 5 and what is being stated in John 15. Testify about me. The language is clear, as inspired by the Holy Spirit, through a unique author using their language and their terminology. If you see a phrase, hermeneutically, if you see a phrase, exegetically, if you see a phrase, that is restated multiple times, like in John, like the word, right? Like that's a huge thing. Testify about me. Testify about me. There's a connection that's being stated. There's a similarity and an intentional purpose. In fact, I would tell you John 15 is actually pointing back to John 5. sound a little bit like Jesus? Does it have the spirit of Jesus? Does it come from love? Does it come from kindness? Does it come from a desire for peace? Blessed are the peacemakers. Does it come from justice, of treating people equally, of lifting up those who have been marginalized? Is there that message in what I'm hearing? If that's not the message in what I'm hearing, then, it's, then it may not be true. This may not be from the Christ. And then I I love the book of Proverbs. So you said a bunch of stuff. So if it's not loving, but then again, whenever you look at the Old Testament and you say, well, God destroyed all humanity but eight and then all the other animals but two of every kind. And you didn't like that, but... Again, Jesus appeals to that God that spoke of him in the Old Testament scriptures. That's the one, that's the words that he brought. 
He wasn't speaking on his own. He was speaking on the one from the Father who sent him. And, you know, this is the same God. You can't do this Martian heresy stuff. That's why it was denounced as heresy, because this two gods, this Old Testament God, this New Testament God, they're not different. Now you can accept a different standard by which to judge things, but then you're going to end up with an evolutionary standard. You get into JDP theory, which back of it is chance and not God's providence. So it's a whole different worldview and it's a whole different, well, God is, well, chance is God. It's impersonal. It just happenstance. And so then you have to end up going like, how do you even account for love? But why do you continue to go to scripture to explain these things? You've already said scripture contradicts everything and the Holy Spirit kind of like throw the Bible out the door. And that's what I think you're leading your congregation to. You're Which trying, eventually you're trying do, to deconstruct the them to end up throwing their Bibles away. So you become a social justice club on Sunday mornings that sing rock and roll with songs. you as the ringleader. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, I understand that I've been told by somebody in your church, not a very loving thing if you're talking about love and Christness, but I've been told that somebody would be, if I were their neighbor, they would be afraid every day of me that I'd be ready to hurt them and all that stuff. That's hurtful. Just to let you know. So your congregation that you're trying to lead in love is not really loving. And they're afraid of me, somebody that has an objective truth to go, no, I appeal to the scriptures. And even though I believe what you're into is absolutely wrong at the same time, I can't, kill you i can't hurt you why because i see the but you beauty can of the when image you define that as loving other neighbors so that's the problem so you're not leading your congregation into love you're leading them into snootiness you're leading them to oh if i believe in the scriptures as the inerrant word of god eh, you're just dumb and that's the way pe- your people have treated me on facebook so do you want to do you want to go with that feelings argument are you going to um, have church discipline against the people that badmouth other people on Facebook and what they say? Because you don't like bad tone. Is that why people have deleted? I, I Have you confronted the people in your church? I'm going to put quotes around it in your church. Have you, have you had any sort of discipline action against them for what they've said to me and others? wonder you know that's that's why maybe things have gotten deleted i hope that at least you're consistent with this whole lovey-dovey stuff that you know but then but then again isn't it mean to have discipline people you know you you don't like the disciplinary actions of god in the past and you don't preach that um you know god disciplines his children and that's in the last part in the in part one anyway where you're kind of like if your do bad stuff, you know, God will bring down, like, even though it's an oversimplification, I do believe if you're doing wrong, either you're not in Christ and you receive judgment or you're in Christ and you receive discipline to make you better because we are like children and children need discipline. And he disciplines us to show that we are not illegitimate children, that we are his and he cares about us. And we are so stubborn, again, which you don't believe about people. Your anthropology is wrong. But remember, the rod, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. 
that was hard for me for a long time. How is God loving whenever, wait a second, he's saying, I'm a sheep. I'm a stupid sheep. Without but him, David, I'll die. Don't even know where David to lay says, down. In your rod and staff, they comfort me. I mean, I hated getting spanked when I was a kid. I hated receiving discipline. I hated authority. But then as I grew because of discipline, I realized, you know, if I'm rushing out into the middle of the street after a toy, and then so I don't, because I'm so focused on the toy, I don't see the car coming down the street. And if it took somebody to tackle me, like say I get tackled in the middle of the street and my knees get straight scraped on the road while the person's scooping me up to save me from getting run over, you would be complaining about the scrapes on your knees. You hurt me when you were saving me. That's what you're, that's what you're doing. You're not describing the God of the scriptures, yet why do you still appeal Appeal to to the scriptures? Sorry, it's taking me a little bit to get this open. And uh, so many Proverbs are like this one. When there is no guidance, a nation falls, but there is success in the abundance of counselors. I love the fact that it kind of helps me understand that wisdom is ascertained and direction is made more clear when there is a community involved in discussing and that. And yeah, you have objective truth in the scriptures to come together as Christ reconciles his people using his word around his word. Knowing so you're, you're not the direction making, to go. Yeah, you're try, what he's trying to do is say like, All you need is a community. You don't need this. That's exactly what he's implying. But the church is supposed to be a community around this. And yes, we're going to have differences and we're supposed to bear with each other as Christ washes us in his word. Because what does Jesus say about the father's word? Sanctify them in your word. Your word is truth. And then praying for the people that would believe because of the apostles words that he had given them, which is why that's an argument for the, apostolic preaching of the new Testament. And that's why we have the new Testament. It's, does this bear the mark of an actual apostle that was prayed over to be given the word and the spirit of truth to write down words so that we would believe those words. And Jesus prayed for those who, again, it comes down to that. And I mean, I'm beating a dead horse, but again, he's beating a non-existent horse. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> like that idea. So how do I know that the advice I'm getting from counselors is good advice? Great question. Great question. That's the point. Let's see. Give real quick before we go four things. He gives no answer to that. No no answers. Yeah. Let's just see. Consider the context. Great advice can come in a bar or can come in a in a boardroom. But if The advice is coming in a bar at two o'clock in the morning after a night of tequila shots is probably not great advice. How do you know? But the Bible describes really good advice coming from a donkey. (laughs) Should I not believe a talking donkey? Yeah, I think the human was horrible. And God used the donkey to speak the truth to the human because, again, what you can't hold is that humans are sinful. It, humans are so sinful. Balaam was so sinful that God used a stinking donkey to tell the truth. 
But is that a truth you can accept that you are a sinner in need of a savior? You are wrong. Your personal gut is wrong. Remember the spirit that lives inside you is not you, but you're making the equivocation. Yes. And using false dichotomies, equivocation. Again, you're not using logic, but you're demanding logic. Which one is it? That's all like we're asking like really good questions and we want to hear it, but you will not answer them like the Pharisees. You're, you're trying to call us the Pharisee, like the Pharisees, you are unwilling. You're experiencing yourself. You're not experiencing Jesus. You're calling your conscience Jesus, but again, that's called redefining terms. And your terms do not come from where we know Jesus' words that you're appealing to, to know those words. Which one is it? I pray that either you repent and you come to the truth and you embrace the truth, or I pray that God will finally get you to the point where you throw out the Bibles and people clearly see that you are antichrist. That's right. I don't hope for the second option. I want you and your congregation to be brothers and sisters with the other congregations in Springfield, with the heart that you do have. Because as Romans 2 says, you do have the law within you. You do know what's right and wrong, but you're doing it for your own kingdom and not the real kingdom. You're doing it to build your own intellectual tower of Babel, your own little tower, your own little kingdom. And Jesus will destroy it. He will remove that. You will be exposed. Again, it could be a generation or two. It will be destroyed, and we're warning. And if it gets destroyed while Dave and I are alive, and we find out about it, and people come running, we're not going to be like, I told you so. We'll be like, what can we do? How can we help you? How can we bring you in? We're not doing this in the spirit of gotcha. We're not doing in this the in the spirit. Of Christ. No, we're doing, we want to be reconciled to you. We have reached out. You are unwilling. And then you're doing this neo-Marxist sort of thing where you're blaming us for what you are, are doing. doing. And yeah. I'm not a fan of that. We, that is, as you said earlier, we're all adults in the room. No, you're acting like an adolescent baby or whatever. I mean, we're absurd. So those are two developmental stages that we can just equivocate because we can equivocate things. Okay, can we please be adults and actually talk and reconcile over the word if, of God if, that you're appealing if, to? If we're Christians, yeah. if you're a Christian, or show us that we're not Christians and do so in a consistent manner, because consistency is yeah. the measure of And that's truth. another question that I asked, simple yes or no, do you consider me a brother in Christ? I've asked that question before, no answer. Phil, somebody at the venues that sees this, can you ask Phil to tell us, does he consider us fellow co-laborers in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Yeah, that's a great I question. Want, I want to know what he believes about us. And if not, then why wouldn't you seek to yeah. convert us? Yeah. And if why? you say, well, you're just too hard-hearted. Really? Wow, that's a... Like, 
That's a hyper-Calvinist move there. Do you want to be labeled with along with them? Hmm. I really like relating a lot of things because uh, the spirit oh, yeah. of the age is so anti-Calvinist, and I can point out that's when you're, that's where you're actually There's acting the like one. Calvinist yeah. right there. So are we fellow co-laborers with you in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Please let us know. I've asked it, never got an answer. So consider the context. Second thing, consider this, knowledge. We all know the know-it-alls. And when Mr. or Mrs. or Ms. or whoever comes, know-it-all comes and gives advice on whatever, listen kindly, patiently, respectfully. And when the advice of Mr. Brainiac is given, just simply say, thank you. But what if they're asking questions? What do you do when they're asking questions? Because that's, we, we really want to know. Phil, whenever we first dealt with stuff from your church and your panel, did you listen to us? Uh, no. And you admitted it at yep. the coffee shop that you didn't listen, that no, you, you heard it was said that we were mean and it was horrible and wrong. So therefore you did not listen to us. And then what did you tell us to do? You're mean. Stop it. We just want you to stop it. You didn't listen to us. You don't know anything about what we said in the video. I mean, yeah, we ended up having a conversation. And this is where I heard that you believe that we're mean and horrible, but then you met us in a coffee shop and we were nice guys. Which one is it? Yeah. So... Again, which one is it on all these issues? But did you listen to us? Were you polite? You're very you. You, were you can be a very nice guy, but a- but you did tell us to stop it without any sort of actual evidence, just hearsay. Did you investigate? Did you listen to us? Are you being as respectful to us as you're telling your congregation to be respectful? Why can't you answer honest questions from us? What are you afraid of? Those are really great questions. And I think that I would like to think that you would say, great question. Let's, let's talk. That is so interesting. I appreciate you telling me that. May I ask you a question? Where did you get that information? Now, if they give a credible source. How do we know what a credible source is? There you go. Because this isn't. This isn't a credible source. This is no credible source. It's 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 written down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, which is the teacher that resides in all of Christ's people, at least according to the same scriptures you are appealing to. Unless if that passage isn't inerrant and inspired, whatever, and then you got to tell me, well, why isn't that little chunk of scripture? And how do you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that there's the problem. But how do you know what a credible source is? Consider that. If they say from Joe down the street. But what if that's what the teacher and Joe taught him? That's exactly right. 
<laughs> you know what to do with it. Or if they even say from Facebook, hmm, what to do with it. But what if the Had teacher told them to type If you're it trying on to Facebook. start a business and somebody gives you advice, has a person ever started a business? If not, then thank you. But probably you don't want to follow it. But what if it was? It's an idea that the spirit he that the spirit told him to tell you. <laughs> Again, there's your problem. You're saying now you're making distinctions and logic and stuff, but you've not had you. You've been saying a bunch of stuff that destroys all of that. Again, we all have the teacher in us. He's teaching us things. What if the teacher in that person? Is like, I've got a word for you, and I think you need to start a business, and this is how you need to start it. I understand you don't know until you know empirically. Okay, which standard are we going? The spirit? Empiricism? What? You've got conflicting standards. You've got philosophical, or I guess we can, we can say um, cognitive dissonance, or you should, yes. but then again, if you don't feel that cognitive dissonance that shows your heart, you are hard. And you are unwilling, you are blind, you are deaf. And again, it demonstrated in the fact that you can't even read scripture and tell people scripture, what scripture actually says whenever I can read it. And it says that Jesus held people accountable to the scriptures as authoritative, necessary. And but you don't want to say that he held them accountable to scriptures. You want to say that they're blinded by the book. That's not what Christ was saying. Yeah. And there's a way to well, know that and a standard by which to know that. Yeah experience of this person with the advice that they've given. And the fourth thing is responsibility. At the end of the day, every decision you make is up to one person, you. And if you take somebody's advice that bites you in the butt, unfortunately, you can only blame yourself. Sorry. Yeah, I but what if the teacher has guided you to believe that person? Now, is that the Holy Spirit's fault? Because no, no, you have the teacher in you. You have now put that He's on the He's going to guide Spirit you into all the truth. And then the Spirit inside you says, no, go with that advice. It bites you in the butt later. Is it Who's you fault? or the Holy Spirit? Again, to see the problems that you've created. Is anybody in your church asking And there's no questions? standard by which for you to measure whether it was actually the Holy Spirit or you, right? So... I guess there is a did it work experience type of, well, it didn't work, so it must not have been the Holy Spirit of God. Or maybe it was God tricking me. Hmm. Sorry, see. Years ago, a guy from a fellowship gave me some financial advice, and I took it, and it cost me $2,000. Not a great deal of money for some people, but it was a great deal of money for Denise and me. And I can't blame the guy that gave me the advice. It's all on me. But the spirit all told you to. The spirit or were told you not him, listening to the spirit? Yeah. I guess maybe at that time he was blinded by the Bible and Probably. he didn't really uh, have the spirit really in him. He wasn't. Ex I, I, you know, <laughs> the, the thing is like, you know, I, I don't want to be demeaning with what I just said or no. what we just said or anything. But no, this this honestly, like I am confused by all of this. I am left with no answers to anything to any, yeah, to anything. Like you've asked questions and you said, well, here's the answer. And, and God is not a God really of confusion. An yeah. 
But of course, you reject that idea. So Responsibility. On a personal note, I asked on Facebook this past week on my own personal page the question, who was your favorite teacher or is your favorite teacher and why? And one person responded, several responded, but this one meant a little bit more to me because of this. The response was Mary E. Wright. Do you hear a similar name in there? He goes on, taught me to question, find my own truths, and trust my own thinking. Mary E. Wright is Mary Ellen Wright, who is married to my dad's brother, Paul Wright. She is my Aunt Mary. My heart just burst with joy and pride from that reply to my question. Aunt Mary was a member of the Baptist church that I pastored from 1984 to 94 here in Springfield. There were so many times that Aunt Mary would challenge me in my fundamentalist thinking on every topic that I've ever talked with you about. And I'm going to say this is Baptist life pre-1978, where we were having the issue of, are the scriptures inerrant? Are they not? So this is only bringing in, you know, and it's one of those things, I understand it's an emotional story. I understand that this is his, like, and, and there is good when somebody says, question what, question what your pastor is teaching you. Okay, that, but then again, by but what, what do you standard, bring it back to? And you're questioning this, and this was what was at the battleground of that time, especially in Baptist life. And it too. wasn't a question of question it and bring it back to scripture. It was question it, find your truth, not the truth of scripture, yeah. not what God has said, but what sets good with you. Yeah. Do you see who you make the ultimate standard? So now Phil Christians is the are, ultimate standard. Christians are not afraid of asking questions, but we're bringing it back, circling it back to what did God say? That's why we actually exegete scripture. That's why we actually want to know what God said. That becomes the motivating factor by which and through which we are actually trying to evaluate reality and yeah, what and, is true. And this is the whole problem with the whole cogito ergo something. Again, he doubted everything, but he couldn't doubt his existence, right? So then you start with an arbitrary starting point because, well, how do you know your existence is meaningful to make even one basic one, one move up again? Who cares? Right. It's arbitrary. You're just one, one particular in a sea of particulars. What connects to them? Now I understand that you need God. You need Jesus for some reason but then you've denied any sort of knowledge of what they really say, even though you appeal to it as if we can know from it. But see, that's, that's the, that's the folly. You have answered the fool according to his folly and became like them instead yes. of becoming like Christ, instead of becoming like Christ and letting somebody not be wise in their own eyes. So now you are wise in your own eyes. You're okay. You don't really need Jesus. 
only for what you need him for. So really almost Jesus needs you. <laughs> the idea of Jesus needs you to articulate it so that you can de- deconstruct everything that I think all this comes from, from other sermons is your disdain for your Sunday school teachers. Yeah. You have an authority problem. And your seminary professors. Yeah. But... Yeah. But that's the thing is he's bringing you in with this emotional thing. And it's like, I don't want to discount somebody's relatives and the deep relationships that they have, but being impartial, even though she's your aunt, even though you spent really good times together, is this good advice? And how do you you know know what is is good and what is not good advice? Uh, And I was pretty stuck in my ways your ways. But this guy says what Aunt Mary did, taught me to question and trust my own thinking and find my own truths. That's not what the Bible says. I understand. So, I mean, we've discussed Freemasonry, and that's basically what that is. It's theosophy. It's esoteric stuff. It's the occult. That's why you have a Buddhist on staff. I'm sure you have Enneagram. I'm sure you, uh, I I know that you've probably compelled your people to do Reiki, which is like a spiritual cultic massage thing. I know a lot more that's going on than probably Phil thinks that I know because I know people and that's why we're doing what we're doing and why I'm doing what I'm doing because I know people in the congregation that are made in the image of God that are sitting underneath teaching that's going Being to kill them. Being spiritually. And she was doing that in middle school to students, and she was trying to do that with her nephew, who is a 28-year-old pastor, was not asking questions. He was giving answers because he knew everything. Well, there was your problem. Here's the deal. You hear that tone in his voice? You want to talk about tone? I think he has a problem that he needs to deal with. Phil, do you have bitterness in your heart toward him because somebody excelled better than you in their biblical studies? I mean, then again, at the same time, they were also told by Aunt Mary to not trust anything but themselves. But, you know... Saying because he knew everything that sound, that that comes from a bitter heart and is that loving and you're still harboring it. You need to come to some. You need to come to Christ and get rid of that bitterness. You need to yeah. repent of that bitterness. But there's a standard that you've got to repent to that we can know that you need to repent and how to repent and that what how Jesus can actually apply the gospel to that bitterness that you have against that person. I think that's what it's coming down to. Like. There's too many people in your life that, you know, have been this know-it-all and that have overshadowed you to where you haven't shined and you want your 15 minutes in the limelight. And this is the only way that you've gotten it is to reject Jesus, to get your limelight on Sunday mornings at the venue, to make friends because you need to have a position because you're talking again, you're talking yourself out of a job, yet you remain in that job. If they, we all have the teacher in us, all you have to do is say, we don't need to do this anymore. You already know. You already have the spirit within you. Go. 
This is the making of a cult leader. Yeah. And now I'm so happy I'm at a place where I know I know nothing. So do you know <laughs> if Christ is in you? There you go. Now you're celebrating the fact that you I don't know, know, I know anything. Nothing, so then you don't know if you Christ. So if Christ do you know if you. Christ is in you? And if you do, how do you know? Okay. So if you've been told that you, you've come to you and you like, you've now admitted that you know nothing. There you go. Let's start at score one. You know nothing. So then how do you know? How do you, how, how are you making all of these claims? You don't know. And you don't know any of this stuff that you're telling about telling to other people. How can you know what to tell other people if you don't know what to tell yourself and how to get to that knowledge yourself? Thank you, Aunt Mary. I wish I would have listened. I wish I would have learned. I wish I would have allowed her wisdom to move me so much earlier in my life. I was eventually moved years and years later. So, today, let's each one of us move from a system of belief to an experience of God. How do you know Again, that it's God? Oh yeah. So, it comes I, down I to... I mean, you go nowhere. You know nothing. And that's where we have to leave this. I have to believe that you know nothing. Sorry. And you've demonstrated that you can't have a worldview of knowledge. So it's whichever you believe, you can make stuff Move up. Move from I a system it. of belief to an awareness of God. But How do you know that it's God? What is your yeah. belief about that and God? Then, How do you know that you're aware? Like and you, what, you answer nothing. Yeah, and, and, and basically, everything he said that is bad, that's you and me. So, if we were to change from our fundamentalist ways that are so bad, being blinded by the Bible and not being able to experience Jesus Christ, which I have, but if you're right, I'm blinded by my Bible. I can't experience Jesus Christ. What do I win? How do I know? If you're right, even though you say you don't know anything, you've admitted it. So again, can we have a conversation? Can we do this publicly? Can we build up the body if we are both co-labors in the gospel of Jesus Christ and his kingdom? You know, what do you believe and how do you know if it's true or if it's just what you believe right now? It's just what you're holding on to by pure blind faith. Are you even willing to admit that you have pure blind faith that you're holding on to? Let's have the discussion. And I know that you've talked to somebody, Phil, and they have also brought the same charge public. Let's, let's get out. You know, if you, if we are co-laborers, let's co-labor together. Let's reconcile together. We can make it a together. fundraiser to some mutual thing that we yeah. agree with. Maybe we won't raise any funds. Okay. Yeah. Well, whatever, whatever if it is. We are such ignorant, stupid fundamentalists because that's that's that what to be you, made right and just to let you know teach that's what us. you imply teach because us. that's what you've taught that's what we've heard let you us are, be taught asking you, real yeah. questions we'll make it nothing but cross-examination or just an open form dialogue between us yeah 
then we can get a good moderator that'll make sure that we don't rough each other up. I know heated. many people that are not, that are actually probably more kind to the venues than what you would think, by the way. I know many people that are, that have good places um, that would be great, would love for us to have a dialogue. Yeah. So um, that is the whole sermon. If you go back on Facebook or their website, you can find it. It's the teacher in you. So you can see that, you know, like we've only cut out a couple of minutes of a thing, but we haven't made any sound bites or made it say something that yeah, it's not, you know, you can go back and check us. And, you know, it's one of those things. Paul was checked by the Bereans and he commended them for it. That's right. We have to do the same thing. Um, if we are right, you know, look, search the scriptures and and see if it's true if we're wrong call us out but then again there has to be a standard there has to be an absolute standard an objective standard transcendent it's got to be able to exist outside of you and me we don't have to exist for it to be true right it has to be outside to govern all of this so um that that being said you know um we 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 recognize the image bearing of Philip, right? And all the people that go to the congregation, but we realize the story of scripture is true that we are all fallen into sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. We are all knowing rebelling against God and God does hand people over to their desires of their flesh. But we also know that people can change and it's not because of their effort. It's because God changes them. That's right. It's the Holy Spirit. It is that comforter. It is that teacher. But it's a distinguished teacher from my conscience. And one who points people to the real Christ, yeah. the objective, knowable Christ mm -hmm. that is revealed in Scripture. Mm -hmm. You see, the problem is, Phil, you, by elevating the place of a spirit because you wouldn't even know if it's the Holy Spirit. By elevating the place of a spirit, you de-escalate and de-elevate the spirit of Christ. What's not important is an objective Christ in the picture you are drawing because that spirit could lead someone away from Christ and they could say, well, my teacher is telling me that it's but all my spirit is telling me that it's um, Vishnu. My spirit is telling me that it is Krishna. Oh, you just de-elevated Christ. The Holy Spirit points to Christ. The Holy Spirit celebrates Christ. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to be elevated. The Holy Spirit wants to elevate Christ. That's his role in the triune God but within again, the internal internal covenant. Again, eternal covenant, sorry. He hasn't answered if he's if he even holds to this three persons one God thing. Again, the scripture doesn't matter. It's a metaphor anyway. Did Christ really exist? Is Christ the Son of God? Is Christ God? Is he the ego I me? The I am. Questions he's never answered. You can't really get it from the teaching. I mean, you can say what it implies, and then whenever you say what it implies, you'll be like, well, I didn't say that. Won't take a stand on anything. Yeah. So, you know, so it's one of those things. Let's have a conversation. Let's this is eternal life that they may know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The one true God. 
one we only exclusive. know that through Christ. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know it's like I mean there's so much to say and we and it's because we care so much why this ending is taking forever. Oh, no. <laughs> but I know it's because it's we good. do care. We do care. Um no matter what other people say, we do care. Um, but anyway, with that said, this is the Tag Your It Podcast. I'm Ray Ray. I'm Dave. And Sully. Dave. Glory. Glory.